This podcast is brought to you by Uconnect, the creator of the first all-in-one virtual career center. Scale your impact and engage more students with a platform that puts all of your career resources in one place. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Career Everywhere podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Safransky. And for this episode, I want to share a recent conversation I had with Nancy Bilmis, the director of the Center for Career Development at the University of Connecticut. In this webinar recording, Nancy and I talk about how she built UConn's Career Champion Program and recruited over 500 faculty, staff, alumni, and employers to join. Nancy shares what the Career Champion training process looks like, how she recruits champions, especially faculty, and how she measures success. And about halfway through, Nancy shares her screen for a few minutes to show the Career Champions resources page on UConn's Career Center website. We'll be sure to include the link in the show notes so you can check it out. Hope you enjoy the episode. Do you want me to talk about kind of UConn? And yeah, our I think that'd be center. great. Maybe just share a little bit about the UConn Career Center, the makeup of the team, kind of the model that uh, UConn takes when it comes to sure. careers. Yeah. So uh, we have uh, 26 staff members in our career center, full-time professional staff. We also have um, several GAs and a lot of student workers, like many of you do. We are five campuses, uh, UConn stores and four regional campuses, and we work and oversee all of the campuses. Uh, so we're centralized in that way. We're also uh, centralized in the sense that we work with um, all the schools and colleges, except for the School of Business, Law and Medicine. So um, the School of Business has its own undergrad and graduate career center, and then Law and Business, I think like a Law and Medicine, like many schools uh, do their own thing around career. So yes, yeah, so we're mostly centralized. We do have a liaison model where we have a li one liaison to each school and college, except for our College of Liberal Arts and Sciences, and we have two. Okay. Uh, still not enough, but um, it is our biggest school and college with over um, or close to 12,000 students. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, that's super helpful background. I think let's just get into the Career Champions Program. There was, you know, we had this conversation uh, with you back in June at NACE. We have been partners with UConn for a long time and, and friends of your team, but maybe you could just give an overview of, you know, the Career Champions program at UConn and what that entails. And um, I think that'd be a good place to start. Sure. I'll provide some background and context. Um, it's funny because... Um, you connect uh, back in 2018, I think we had the uh, you all launched your career everywhere initiative at UConn mm -hmm. um, with a conference with a lot of uh, regional uh, career centers. So that was super fun. Um, and we kind of built off of that and looking at uh, career across campus and and knowing, you know, I've been in the field for a very long time and, and knowing that many years ago, you know, things were much more siloed and, you know, we were career and others on campus shouldn't be doing career because we're the experts. Well, things have shifted and uh, faculty and staff always talking to students about career. Students are asking advice about career. The, you know, what do you want to do when you graduate? That's just a natural question that, you know, everybody asks students. So we really looked at thinking about how can we help all of our students be successful and decided to lean into a career everywhere um, movement. And um, the Career Champion Program really supports career everywhere. Uh, career is happening everywhere um, and all the time, really, 24-7 uh, with our website site and other websites as well. So we did some benchmarking um, with other universities who already started their career uh, champion programs. And we also did a lot of focus groups 
on campus with faculty and staff, interviews with faculty and staff to really learn and understand what are the barriers, what would be the barriers to a career champion program. And from there, in 2019, we launched our Career Everywhere and Career Champion program. And we did that with a brunch on campus uh, with um, a speaker from Gallup. And it was super exciting. We had about 150 uh, staff and faculty members there. And that's where we initially launched the Career Champion program. Uh, We followed up with all of those people and invited them to become Career Champions. And I don't remember the exact number uh, that we got initially, but it was it was 60 to 70. Um, So it was a good um, 50% of of those folks who joined the program. And since then, we have um, continued to um, put our efforts into building the program and um, building the opportunities for faculty and staff to learn about career and to become more confident in having those conversations with students. Yeah, I would say um, getting 50 to 60 champions from brunch is good ROI on a brunch. Um, that's sounds- Yeah, we were, we were excited. Uh, it seemed to really resonate with the folks who were there. I think that you make a really interesting point about this realization maybe that you all had probably well before, you know, you're, you launched the program in 2019, but this idea that we are just one center, we're just one team and career conversations are absolutely happening all over campus as they should be, right? We, that's, you know, I think we can all agree career should be happening everywhere. Can you talk more about like, was there a moment or kind of how did your team think about that shift? And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of the partners that we work with now are really starting to embrace that shift from career services being the providers of career resources to the facilitators. Right. And that's a great word, facilitators. Mm -hmm. I think it it was a tough transition um, for many people, including myself, because you're kind of letting go of some control, Um, you know, but at the same token, we're not teaching these people to be career consultants or career advisors. Uh, So I think that was kind of a a mantra that we, you know, kind of shared um, over and over. And we had conversations, you know, with staff, all of our staff participating around what does this look like? You're not going to lose your job. Our job might just be shifting a little bit. And um, in a space where we're trying to provide expertise and uh, information, most current information to our constituents and our career champions, so they can take that information and be sharing it with their students. And some of that information is information on our resources in our center and about how to refer to us. I think that you need to try to look at shift thinking a little bit and shift the picture because, uh, you know, we're, we still work with students. You know, we still are consulting and, and working with students one-on-one and, and that's never going to go away. But now we're shifting some of our resources to um, working more directly with faculty and staff. And as a matter of fact, we have a program designer starting in just two weeks who is really going to be focusing on working um, with faculty in developing curriculum and incorporating career into the classroom. And this person has a curriculum and design background. So that's an example of how we're shifting resources, but we're still, you know, doing the work that we've been doing for many, many years. Right, right. That hasn't shifted. I think that's what an evolution to, you know, for career services to be hiring kind of curriculum designers. Um, yeah. I want to get more into that. But before I pivot you had mentioned in some of the the early work that you you know you held focus groups and you met with faculty and staff to identify uh, you know what those potential barriers would be. 
we did have a question come in. Can you share a bit more about, you know, what was identified as those potential barriers for faculty and staff? Sure. Um, it probably wouldn't be hard for most people to guess what the biggest barrier is or was and still is, would be time. Uh, you know, faculty, especially at a research one university like UConn, you know, faculty are invested in teaching. Some are advising and doing research. So, you know, there's a lot on their plate. And the work they do for us doesn't count toward their PTR and tenure or, you know, anything like that. So there's definitely challenges around that. And because we heard that time and again from folks that we talked to, our center decided to create a program that, that is flexible. And we don't have a presentation or a series of workshops that our career champions need to participate in before becoming career champions. And we decided that because they're having these conversations anyway. So regardless of whether they become an official career champion, they're still informal career champions. Mm -hmm. So we decided that it was more important to uh, work with folks around where they were at, provide the information in different ways that they could still get it and use it at their own leisure. So for example, we hold several training sessions every semester on different topics, on DEI and career, um, using Handshake, using Focus 2 and, and whatnot. And some of those are done by our staff and some of those we recruit career champions to lead as well. But we record them all. And we also have a newsletter. So if folks can't come to those live sessions or can't watch the recordings right away, they can do that when they have a little bit more time or they can read about, you know, what we're doing in the newsletter. So we feel that it's important just for them to know about us and to know what we do and to be able to refer to us and be able to understand at a baseline level what they could share with students than needing to go through presentations and, and workshops to become a career champion. Yeah, I think that's half the battle is just awareness, right? And I think, you know, in many ways, it's similar to working with students. It's, you know, how can we, you know, make it known that we're here, we're here to help and we have resources to so building the awareness. And sounds like you all are also taking, you know, kind of a multi-modality approach to, you know, just, hey, let's put the content out there and and let them, you know, digest it in a way that works best for them and their schedules. Yeah, absolutely. I did have a good follow-up question to that. So can you Getting started, right? So you had the brunch and, you know, I think with anything it's, you know, getting started is kind of that first hurdle to get over. So you had um, the initial focus groups, you identified that, it, you know, the, the problem and the solution, the focus groups, the brunch. How did you kind of keep that momentum going after the first, you know, you recruited your first, um, what'd you say, 50 to 60 initially? What was kind of the next phase after that? Sure. Well, we had a little uh, hiccup called COVID that happened fairly quickly after that. And so our attention was obviously on how do we pivot to virtual services and to helping students who are graduating and, and all of that. So we did take a little bit of a hiatus. Mm -hmm. And um, once we were able to really start in again, you know, probably in the fall of 2020, our Career Everywhere team grew a little bit um, from that. So we had uh, folks who uh, were lending, you know, where we were, you know, taking a little bit of time 
from maybe another task that we were able to have a graduate assistant work on and have them be part of the Career Everywhere team. Mm -hmm. And so we started to build that team and we had uh, different folks who were responsible for different recruitment population. So for example, I was overseeing the recruitment of faculty. There was someone who was overseeing staff, someone from our CPR team who was overseeing um, our corporate partners, and then um, another one of our our staff members who was working with alumni. Mm -hmm. And um, so for example, for faculty, because of our liaison model that I mentioned earlier, I've worked with our liaisons to come up with ideas on how to recruit faculty members from the different schools and colleges. So it's not necessarily at a career everywhere or career champion level, it's at the college level. So these are folks, uh, our liaisons know a lot of the staff and faculty in those departments. So they're able to, I guess, recruit from a more personable approach because they they know these people. And um, I think a really creative idea that came from one of our um, College of Liberal Arts and Sciences uh, uh, liaisons was to, she has a group of CLES ambassadors. And so those students wrote emails to all the faculty in CLES, inviting them to be part of the um, Career Champion program. And we got about 30 to 35 responses. And, and then just, you know, interesting responses from faculty about like, oh, well, tell me more about the career center and and things like that. So that was a super creative initiative. Yeah, Yeah, that's a big win. Do your students get terrible career advice from YouTube and TikTok? Give them access to better video content with Candid Career Plus. The YouTube of career videos, Candid Career Plus is an expansive video library with thousands of career-focused videos that cover a wide range of topics, interests, industries, advice, and more. And every video is sourced from best-in-class career content creators, including ADP List, Way Up, and many more. Learn more at goyouconnect.com slash candidcareerplus. There was a question in the chat, and I think this is, you know, um, on the topic of faculty in particular, which always seemed to be elusive. Everyone on campus is kind of vying for faculty's attention and time. Is your career center, the UConn Career Center, a part of student affairs or another division? Because I do think to the point of the question, optimizing engagement with faculty can sometimes be dependent upon kind of where the career center is situated. Right. We are situated in the provost office, but I would say that what we're doing is still a grassroots effort. You know, we got we have support from the provost and the the um, vice provost, but we are going out and doing this more independently. Um, the leadership is not necessarily, aside from supporting the program, we haven't gotten to a point yet where they're saying, oh, everyone should be a career champion and talking to the deans and department heads about it. So it's still from the bottom up and we're infiltrating that way, you know, with support, like I said, of, of folks um, in the leadership areas. Okay. Yeah, that, I think that's really helpful. The questions in the chat are unsurprisingly blowing up. So I do see all of these um, and we're going to kind of continue to try and chip away. You know, Nancy, if someone were to just say, hey, what does it mean to be a career champion? How would you kind of give an overview of that to a faculty or staff member pretty succinctly? Sure. So what I would say to somebody who asks what it means to be a career champion, I would say that it's a formal way to help support students in their career and a way to help career become a place of equity. Career everywhere in the career champion program 
I would say is a a career equalizer for marginalized and first gen students. It helps with access to career information. So for example, if a student doesn't really think about career or hasn't talked about career in high school or with with a parent because of their background and they hear about it in their class and then they hear about it maybe in a club they belong to, it's now gonna start churning. And hopefully, uh, you know, they'll continue those conversations either with a career champion or somebody else that they trust, or maybe they'll even come to the career center. So I guess that wasn't super succinct, but it's really leaning into what we do at the career center and help career be accessed by all of our students to promote success for all students. You know, you mentioned earlier that we you connect uh, co-hosted in a career everywhere event on the UConn campus. And so it's a topic, you know, really important to us as well. And we like to think of it as uh, making career services accessible to anyone, anywhere, anytime, 24, yep. 7, 365. And I think your champions program and your website certainly do a nice job of addressing that. There's a lot that we can talk about, I think with faculty and it shows in the chat and in the Q, the questions that I'm getting about engaging faculty, but I do want to quickly touch on, I think the fact, you know, you engage corporate you, employers, corporate partners yeah. or employers within your program. Can you speak a little bit to at what point did you decide that you should include employers in the program and kind of what that looks like related to the program? Sure. Uh, so we probably decided that maybe in early 2020, uh, a little bit before the pandemic set in. And uh, one of our kind of why we thought about that was we were thinking about who do students talk to about career? And sure, it's faculty and staff on campus, but it's also employers and our alumni because we have a mentor network. And right now that's, we have firsthand as our platform, you know, so students are, you know, reaching out to alumni or they're networking with alumni through their own uh, process and their own networks. So we, employers are recruiting students. So they're talking to students on a regular basis. So as we were thinking about this, uh, we came to the conclusion that if we brought employers and alumni in, we can share the information with them, but then they can also talk to faculty and staff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's been a great reception from our faculty to have our, our employers and our alumni in that space. And just a few weeks ago, we had our first annual uh, Career Everywhere conference. And we had uh, folks represented in all of our different areas of our career champion program. And they were just so super happy to be able to connect and network with each other. And it resulted in some employers going into some faculty classes that might not have been facilitated other ways. And, you know, the employers and alumni really appreciate just being kept up to date on what the university is doing and what's current in the career space so they can help students better. Oh, I love that. And I do want to, I want to come back to the Career Everywhere conference because it sounded great. And uh, (laughs) that's going to be a hot topic. I do want to ask you, how are you all managing this? So you talked about early, you know, like you kind of divvied up responsibilities among a group, you know, amongst a group on your team. And maybe now it's more focused, but as you engage faculty, staff, like employers, alumni, there's so much information. And it's always changing, which, you know, keeps everyone on their toes. How are you managing it now? And how are you making sure that you have up-to-date resources and information and whatnot for your the partners in your program? Sure. 
our committee has grown a little bit. And one of the reasons it has grown is so everyone on the committee can have specific roles because they have other jobs that they're doing. So um, the committee's grown, but the roles of all of us who are on the committee have shrunk a little bit. So for example, we have our uh, marketing uh, staff person as part of the committee because we have a listserv and there's obviously a lot of marketing and sharing of information that goes out as well as recruitment materials that he helps us develop. We have um, someone from our regional campus who spends you know a, couple, a few hours a month on the Career Everywhere team. And he's focused on looking at the regional campuses, making sure that they're getting the same type of information and having the similar events on, on the smaller scale at the regional campuses. We have uh, one of our staff members who works in programming and we do programming for our career everywhere or career champions. So he's stepped in to help us with that, that piece of it. So everybody has like a little part um, to make the career champion program run efficiently. And then our um, my senior associate director and myself really head up and kind of organize the career every well my senior associate director does um organizes that as part of her job responsibilities so she definitely has more of a commitment than most of the other committee members mm-hmm. and i think your second part of your question was how do we share resources and information so we have a listserv so we send out a newsletter once a month and we have probably two uh presentations or training sessions that are held each month however um, i think our biggest resource that we have and uh, most accessible resource for career champions, and I'm going to share my screen for a second, is our career champion resource page. And this might look familiar to all of you, you connect users. Um, We use this also for our affinity and career communities, and it works perfectly. It's great for our career resource uh, page as well. So um, we have information, you know, very um, accessible here. If they just want to go for to see our resources or what trainings are happening. We also write blogs and articles for our career champions. So we have a little bit of information here on the page and how they can use it. If they're not a career champion already, they can um, click here. The enrollment form takes about two minutes. Um, It's very quick. And then we have resources for career champions, things that they can do if they want to write a blog or request a presentation, um, join the Husky Mentor Network that we have. And then we have we have five career modules right now that faculty and instructors can use in their courses. So they can um, come here and review what those modules are made up of and also request access um, to those modules. Um, This is where they can view all of our recordings of our past trainings, as well as um, the events for the upcoming um, couple of weeks. So here we have a welcome session for those new career champions, a student employee evaluation cycle session for career champions who are supervisors, and then the intersections of identity and career to talk about identity and access to career. And then our resources that you're all familiar with these are our blogs that um, are either written by a career champion or we have spotlights. So every every month we spotlight a new career champion. Uh-huh. And then we have our career communities down here. So this has been a super helpful resource that we use to share everything that we're doing and a place for these career champions to go to find out more information. And do you find, you know, obviously it's like, I mean, marketing, you always want to get people to your website and hope that then they they poke around, right? They stay a yep. while. Do you find or do you have any sense for, 
you know, you're pointing people to this page, but really they're able to get so much out of the different, you know, resources that you have on your site? Yeah, absolutely. Once they go to like an information session or a welcome session and they see not just this page, but see our career page and the resources that we have that we've been able to cultivate, you know, they are, you know, super excited to be able to then share that information with their students. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's half the battle sometimes is even those faculty and staff who know about our office they sometimes don't know about the resources that we have and the services that we can provide. Mm -hmm. And having all these career champions just understand this information, it has been great. You mentioned something, and and you mentioned this as an example to our team a a few months ago when we met. You have faculty or, you know, career champions can write blogs, can submit blogs that can be posted. And I think one of the examples that uh, we have in in our article of you all is, the um, Latinx, uh, an article for Latinx students. Mm -hmm. And maybe just briefly you can talk about how are you facilitating that in streamlining kind of that process to get content even from your career champions? And is that happening? Not as much as we would like. It does happen on occasion, um, like with the article you just talked about, Ashley. I just also received a, a short blog from uh, one of our participants from the conference, a uh, faculty member. And we do get occasional blogs from our employers. Um, but we do share that this is part of the Career Champion Program and encourage um, folks to engage in that way. And we do have a resource page for anyone who wants to write a blog that explains how to do it and how to get it posted. Um, So we do share that information um, sometimes in our newsletter, but always in our information and our welcome sessions. And when we're talking to our career champions, um, you know, about the program or how they can get more involved, because that's a, that's a common question. You know, what can I do? How can I get more involved? Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. You get people in and when they are asking, how can I do more? That's the dream. Um, We're on this topic and there was a question that came through. Um, so I'm just going to, to ask it now, how is you connect helping you grow or improve your career champions program? So, you know, the resource page I just shared is definitely a huge way that we've really leaned into UConnect to gather all of our content in one place for career champions and just, you know, using the UConnect site and the UConnect um, resources in, in and of themselves have helped us organize the information in a way that makes sense to our career champions, um, you know, not just on our career champion resource page, but on our uh, website, because as many of you know, who are UConnect um, customers, uh, you know, being able to organize your content is super important because we have so much to share. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always a challenge to figure out, you know, how to do that in the best way. And, um, you know, and UConnect has certainly helped us with that. Great. No, that's helpful. What changes or outcomes have you in the last three years, have you maybe noticed as a result of uh, the Career Champions program, Um, whether it's anecdotal or any data that you've seen? Yep. So um, some of the data that we've seen, we've, we did a survey last year and we're in the process of actually um, sending out a survey soon, just asking the career champions, are you more comfortable and confident in talking about career? And about 90% of them said that they were. The challenge is definitely 
really trying to figure out what the impact is from an outcomes perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's going to be something we see over the years when we, um, you know, continue to analyze this year's data um, from first destination. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, as we see maybe the needle um, increasing our positive outcomes, which is 90%. So it's great as it is, but any, you know, more is obviously um, wonderful. Can we, will we be able to attribute it directly to the career champions? Not at this point, we're still kind of in those conversations, but I think anecdotally, we will be able to, um, to share because we all know that, that students go to faculty for career advice. And so faculty are now going to be even more confident in giving that advice. So that's super exciting. And then I think also with NACM, NACM is the National Alumni Career Mobility Survey that UConn has participated in um, for the last three years. And they survey um, students out at five and 10 years. Um, so that would be even more longitudinal, but it'll be interesting to see how many more students um, feel more confident about the career advice and the career plans that they had in college than maybe they did five or 10 years ago. But again, we probably won't be able to see that for five to seven years. Um, yeah. Super excited about that. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how many of your graduates come to be a part of the program as an alumni. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What does the, you know, you take a step back and if put yourself in, you know, past Nan 2019, Nancy, and you were kind of dreaming this up, what does the promised land look like? Is there a certain number of career champions that you're trying to get to, or just like, what is ultimate success? There's always that kind of vision or that dream. Um, and when I first ventured out on career, uh, the career champion program and career everywhere, it was really building this culture, this ecosystem of faculty, staff, and now alumni and employers to help all students be successful upon graduation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that we're ever going to have all faculty and all staff as part of this program, but to get to the point where we have a majority and where faculty and staff and alumni and employers are talking to each other about the value of being a career champion and doing that organically and having, um, you know, folks come together and, sh and share like, you know, I added this to my syllabi mm -hmm. on the career competencies, or I did this activity in, you know, with my um, group of, of student leaders and having students understand the value of career readiness and not just from the career center, but from others that they will meet across campus. Mm -hmm. And um, and to me, that's a culture of career readiness is, you know, having the conversations, not just primarily with the career center or primarily with just a certain group of faculty or staff, but with a large uh, majority of folks on campus or in our community. Uh, Lisa just asked a great kind of, I think, follow up question to this. So have you noticed any uptick in students engaging with career services as a result of your program? <laughs> yes, even though that's not necessarily the goal. We have definitely seen an increase in appointments. And we've also seen an increase. In, and right now, this is anecdotal. We're actually working on some coming up with uh, more data as, as we speak. But we've also seen an increase in the number of faculty and staff who've engaged with us. and 
requested presentations or requested a meeting to talk about um, syllabi. So there's definitely, and again, there's a little bit of that shift. Um, although, you know, we are seeing more students engage, we're also seeing more um, faculty and staff who are also engaging because they want to be prepared to talk about career in their classroom. Another kind of anecdotal um, outcome is we have a faculty subcommittee and an advisory board, a career champion advisory board. And the faculty subcommittee is in its second year. And we have 16 to 17 faculty members. And I would say 80% are staying for a second year and they meet monthly. And last year, their two outcomes were they provided us or helped us develop syllabi language that if at the very least a faculty member wasn't ready or just didn't feel that they were in that space to add career content to their class, they could add it to their syllabi. Mm -hmm. um, and then also they created a Blackboard site uh, or we created a Blackboard site with their help that houses our resources. So they shared uh, syllabi with us. They shared projects with us. We have our syllabi language on there. So they can hop on there if they're ready to just kind of dabble in finding um, different ways to incorporate career into their curriculum. Have you seen any faculty actually using some of that syllabi language in this this year's curriculum? Well, I, I believe I had a faculty member, at least one or two, reach out to me about it and, you know, said they were going to be incorporating it onto their syllabi. It'll be a great question for our faculty subcommittee, you know, when we have our first meeting later in this month to see, you know, who's engaged in that. Right. Um, but as, as we continue to meet with faculty and talk about the career space, those will be conversations that we continue to have for sure. I want to talk about the Career Everywhere conference sure. that you all hosted last month. Um, can you share what it was and who was invited and what it entailed and just kind of generally how it went? Yeah, for sure. So we we started kind of thinking about a conference um, probably a last summer, so summer of 2021, as a means to to get folks together to network. Much of our efforts have been in the in the virtual space because we've been building this during the pandemic and we have regional campuses too so we want to be as inclusive as possible right. so some of the, what we're doing makes sense anyway without a pandemic but we really wanted to think about how can we get folks together to meet each other to network in person now that covid's waned a little bit so we th thought about having a conference and, um, you know, we talked to our faculty subcommittee as well as our advisory board. Well, what would be the best time of year to have a conference? And of course, you know, we got September, we got May, we got January. So I can imagine it's similar on your campuses as well. Timing is very challenging, but we decided to kind of do a kickoff to the semester and, um, and, some of the feedback we got from faculty was that's a good time of year because it's before classes get super involved and Fridays tend to be good for some folks, for some faculty who don't don't teach on Fridays. Um, so we worked as a small committee in our office and would occasionally reach out to some of our um, active advisory board and faculty members to, you know, based on some of our ideas and decided that we were going to host a conference that where most of the sessions were led by career champions. And so uh, the conference was, um, we, we put out a call for proposals 
And, um, you know, we got about seven or eight proposals and that was about the number of sessions that we were planning to have. So all of the breakout sessions were uh, run by um, our career champions who are doing this work in, in one respect or another. And our keynotes were our staff. We did a, a NACM keynote on the on the data that we've gotten over the past three years on NACM, as well as we created a career and identity survey about a year and a half ago. And we also wanted to share the results of our career and identity survey. Um, so those were the two keynote addresses. So we had about, I don't know, 120 uh, sign up for the conference. Our, um, I think we were able to accommodate 150 or maybe it was 120. I don't remember. But we had about 75 um, folks come. We had employers, we had uh, faculty, we had staff members, and we had a smattering of alumni. And so, you know, the feedback we got was that it was successful. and that they would love to, you know, see it happen again. And, you know, that the breakout sessions were really engaging. And it was just great to be able to network and talk to each other and, and um, you know, meet, each, meet others in person. Can you give an example of like what a topic of one of the, you know, a few of the breakout sessions were? One of them was around um, working with students um, with neurodiversity within, you know, with neurodiversity, autism, ADHD. Another was um, from an employer um, and they were really focusing on, you know, kind of opportunities and, you know, preparing students and, you know, that type of thing. We had a session on um, career myths, like resolve, you know, like challenging career myths. So yeah, so those are a few that I remember off the top of my head. Okay, we have 16 minutes left and I wanna make sure uh, we can get to some of the the questions that I didn't get to in the chat and within the Q&A. And as I do that, I do have another poll question um, that I'm going to pop up. But as Nancy showed, we at Uconnect were so lucky that we get the opportunity to help kind of facilitate their career champions program and and kind of their website platform. So I'm going to pop up a poll. If you are interested in learning more about how Uconnect can help facilitate a similar program at your institution, or just generally want to learn more, feel free to let us know in the poll and we'll follow up accordingly. And I'll leave that up for a second. And maybe while that's up, let's see. Nancy, this is going to be like rapid fire. So I might be all over the place here. So hopefully you're ready. You mentioned newsletters to the career champions earlier. Can you share kind of generally what's incorporated in those? Sure. Actually, we're just going to be um, sending one out um, this afternoon or tomorrow. So um, it's timely. So for, for uh, you know, depending on the time of year, we'll dictate some of our content. But we have information in this newsletter, um, actually about this webinar and um, about the Career Champion Program being recognized nationally, about our career fairs that we had um, over the last couple of weeks. We have our Career Champion Spotlight in there, information about, you know, the Career Champion Program. And um, and then we have like upcoming events for students. Um, so, you know, they can uh, refer students to um, some of the things that are that are coming up. Sometimes we'll have like information about like career communities, um, you know, using our resources. If we haven't 
don't have a big event coming up or haven't just had a big event. Um, so it really depends on kind of, you know, where we are in the, in the cycle and, you know, what we're, what we're trying to focus on, but, you know, those are some topics that we include. So if faculty or staff or others can't participate in our live trainings, you know, we'll remind them about our career resource um, mm-hmm. site on occasion and, you know, upcoming opportunities for them as well. Art, kind of just a quick follow-up on that kind of tactical. How are you, You like, is the newsletter just an email that, you know, plain text email that you're sending via a listserv or are you sending it out another way? Yeah, we use Constant Contact and we're sending it. We've, we've created um, a list. We've created a couple listservs. Um, Jim Lowe, who's the AVP, has a listserv. And I have a listserv um, that includes like all the current champions and our liaisons and, you know, folks like that. So we've created a couple different avenues to share that newsletter with. Okay, great. Thanks for, thanks for yeah. answering. Question, there's a, kind of a few questions about kind of students' involvement in the development of the program. So I'm going to try and ask, bundle them together. Did you include students in any of your kind of early research or focus group efforts? And also, can students be a part of the Career Champions Program? Good questions. We didn't at the beginning, but we have um, talked to our students about, um, you know, through our CLAS initiative and, you know, and some of our other more student workers, but we are, um, we've been talking about having more focus groups with students to help continue to shape the program. And as far as students becoming career champions, funny that you asked that, a couple things that are on our horizon is um, developing, and this would be separate from our faculty, staff, employer, alumni, but developing a parent champion program, um, as well as a peer career champion program. So those are kind of two of our, and as we've been doing some strategic planning and whatnot, those are two of our, you know, a little bit um, farther out initiatives that we're going to, that we're going to be looking at over the next several months. So so not yet, but. (laughs) That is exciting. I think we, um, webinar 2.0. When that, when we yeah, lost- well, you know, the interesting thing, when we looked at our NACM data, most students, when asked who they went to for advice, they went to other students, mm-hmm. even more than family. You know, so students are talking to each other about it. I'm so stressed. I don't know what to do. What do I do with my career? What are you doing? You know, so those yeah. conversations are happening, you know, even probably more often because students are with each other 24-7. So we think that is an important group to capitalize on. Yeah, great. Question in the Q&A that came through, are career champions self-nominated and they get as involved or not involved as they want? Can you can kind of confirm? Sure. Yes, career champions are self-nominated. We uh, reach out to folks that we know um, and, you know, and we encourage our advisory board and our faculty subcommittee to reach out to others as well, but they are self-nominated. Um, I just actually had a conversation with a faculty member, an adjunct um, who also oversees an institute, and she was talking about one of our pretty active career champions and how Judy shares so much information and she had a webinar she wanted us to promote. You know, so we went back and forth and then I said, are you a career champion? Or I actually knew she wasn't because I looked at the director. I said, you might want to think about becoming a career champion. And she was super excited just to be asked. So it just, you know, I think it just doesn't occur to folks, but she signed up right away. I had a conversation with her yesterday and, you know, I can imagine she'll be super involved. Um, So there's a lot of people out there that we just haven't engaged with yet who, you know, some of them who would 
probably not be interested right now in this opportunity, but those two who just don't know about it or know how to get involved or, or what questions to ask to become involved. Have you noticed any like, I mean, I have to imagine you've noticed a bit of a snowball effect, right? It's, you know, you can, you get kind of those early adopters, the first 50 to 60 that you got, especially with faculty. Have you noticed that as you kind of chip away at getting more faculty involved, that there's more word of mouth or there's less reluctance sometimes that, you know, typically you would always get this response, but maybe you're not seeing it quite as often. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there's that word of mouth um, coming from folks who go back to their department and share about the experience, about the conference. Um, I do see that happening, you know, and then it shifts throughout the year. There's a certain period of time when we're active in recruiting our faculty or we're active in recruiting our alumni. And then, you know, we'll get several a week, you know, versus over the summer, we kind of laid low a little bit. We had other things we were focusing on and we didn't recruit as much. So, you know, we got some, but not like we do when we're more in the active phase and people are talking about it more because they're on campus and that type of thing. Right. Anything special or secret sauce that you have to get reluctant faculty on board? That's a good question. I think it's the flexibility. I think, you know, not thinking that they're going to have to participate in, you know, six hours of meetings or six hours of training and that, you know, and the other piece is what you had mentioned about, you know, career everywhere, career all the time, the access that's given to students as more folks around campus talk about career. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think those two things are, you know, are are pretty compelling. Yeah. What would be like you had one top piece of advice that you would give to um, a career services leader team who's interested in starting their, you know, a program of their own that's similar to yours, what would that top one or two, I'll give you two, top few. (laughs) So I think one of the top ones would be to to have conversations with faculty and, and staff who you're already friends with. So the low hanging fruit get some buy-in, ask the hard questions about the barriers, you know, what would make you want to be, want to participate in this program, you know, have them reach out to their network and maybe, you know, focus on some of those more reluctant faculty and staff who, you know, might might be a little bit harder and have the same conversations with them. So, you know, I think definitely doing some, uh, focus groups and just some research around your campus is definitely helpful. I'd say one of the next helpful things would be benchmarking and looking at other universities who are doing, you know, who are hosting career champion programs that are similar to you. Um, You know, certainly you can learn from all, you know, smaller, larger universities, but if there are any that, you know, are similar to size and structure of your university, I definitely would, would consider that as well. And the last one, I would probably, even though you only gave me two, I'm going to, I'm going to go with three. The third one would be, you know, having that conversation with staff and getting staff buy-in. Like internal staff. Internal staff. Sure. Yeah. Because there is that intimidation factor. Um, You know, we're kind of saying, okay, everyone can talk about career. So I think that's super important as well. Yeah. I can totally see that. I think alignment up front is, is really key. What question came in through the chat uh, from Will Outside of the spotlight features that are on your um, the Career Champions page, how do you recognize career champions? Sure. 
Good, good question. Um, we have a recognition event in May, you know, right around the end of the semester. And we have awards uh, that faculty can be nominated for, staff, alumni, employers to be recognized as a career, you know, career champion of the year and that type of thing. And then we also recognize all the career champions. We have spreadsheets where we put them up as um, part of a PowerPoint. And those who are even more active on the advisory board, the faculty subcommittee, or received um, one of the awards, they get a letter from um, our AVP to them and to their supervisors, um, thanking them for what they've put into the program and um, letting them know how much students are benefiting from their participation. I love that. Aside from Career Champion of the Year, are, what are some of the other awards? Sure. So we have um, some that don't have to, like we have Employer of the Year. So uh, students and other, and staff and faculty can nominate an Employer of the Year. So it might be an employer who's come into several different classes and has been really active on campus, as well as like faculty um, of the year for graduate and undergraduate. And then, you know, staff kind of career advocate of the year. Um, so they're all around being career advocates and um, students can nominate as well as um, any faculty, staff, alumni, or employer. Great. I love that. I think that's it. I think those are all of the questions. I, can people connect with you on LinkedIn? We've been linking to your profile. I hope that's yep. okay. <laughs> Absolutely. You can reach out to me um, and, you know, you can look at, I think someone put the UConn uh, website in the chat. You can reach out to me. You can find me there or on LinkedIn. Happy to talk. And Meredith drops Thanks, in, Meredith. In, in, the, yep. in the chat and we'll be sure to, you know, send links to all of the resources that we talked about um, here today. And, and Nancy, I can't thank you enough. You and, and your team at UConn are just the best partners and what you all are doing with this program is incredible. And I just really appreciate all the time you've taken to help us spotlight this great initiative. Um, and I hope uh, folks today got some good insight from it. So thank you, Nancy. Great, thank you, Ashley and the UConnect team and, and Meredith. Um, this has been great and look forward to many more opportunities to collaborate. Awesome, thanks, Nancy. That's all for this episode of Career Everywhere. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.